How are we doing, everybody? And welcome back to Crime Theory with myself, Ron Swanson, and of course, John Wedger here on the Sean Atwood channel. And today, we're we're kind of going to recap the, the cases that are starting to build a larger picture, starting to put a lot of evidence and bolstering the reality of these horrific individuals who prey on children at the highest echelons within the UK government and across the EU. It's quite shocking. And we're, we're, we're compiling and we're almost ready to, to put our theory out there, but we thought it would be best to give you guys an episode where we recap the, the, the prime cases. And then next week, um, we should have a mind map and an episode all about uh, what we've been working on. Isn't that right, John? That's right. Yeah, it's um, it. It was called the the actual title was called Anna Kappa Charts, and it's um it's an investigative tool that that we used in the police. And there's actual experts on these charts, and um, it's like most things when you get a, a, a pictorial representation that embeds it in your mind because we we dream in symbols um and if you look at the old shops you know they would advertise what what they were you know um purveying by the symbolism outside the shops we don't dream in numbers and and you know and flipping uh, spreadsheets and things like that we we dream in, in in symbols and and stuff like that so this is how the mind works and when you see it laid out it makes sense so it's um hopefully people will see the connections yeah absolutely and and the, the data um over time when you see it laid out that's when y y things start clicking i think when there's enough time between each case there's enough uh, world events to distract us it's very easy for even major cases to go unnoticed in this pattern that we seem to that seems to be forming john so i think it's uh, important that we recap because it is a lot to take in some of you may have missed a week or two and i encourage you all to uh, if you're going to share an episode this is the episode to be sharing this is the one to be making sure people watch and then we'll have a playlist linked below of all the individual episodes for you guys to go and binge and ruin your weekend over um but yeah let's let's dive in john and i mean we we're th this all goes back to um the 50s you know i believe our first case or our our, our oldest case uh was moira anderson and that's really where yeah. where we're, we're going to start the ball rolling we'll go numeric we'll go chronologically if that's the the right way of putting it um yeah yeah of course and we're like yeah. i say this is this is effectively the cliff notes versions of the larger episodes so we're going to be mainly focusing on what you guys need to know which is the patterns the dates the individuals who uh are are key players and repeated key players whether it's judges or police or or politicians and we are going to be kind of steaming over it so if you want a broader depth in depth look there is a playlist below that's got the individual episodes and next week uh, i mean i say next week it could be the week after depending on um some witnesses and other aspects that we're we're still tying down but it's coming and it's pretty scary so let's jump into the case of moira anderson 1957 john yeah so you know we've got little moira that that went missing um in, in a town called Copebridge. And, and again, one of the things we look at is the 
the, the person that goes missing, the child, these all sort of child murders that we look at, they're, they're, they're a point of investigation. They're a crime scene in their own right. Um, then we have, like, the site in which, you know, they're found. If that's different to where they're murdered, both will be a crime scene. And we've always got to think evidence and always got to think forensics. And forensic is just evidence for a court. That's all that means. It's nothing more scientific than that because uh, you get forensic science, you know. So it's, it's evidence for a court. And then the suspect or suspects. Um, and then you, you've got to look at patterns because there's always patterns in everything. And usually the suspects, there's usually a pattern of offending. Um, the, the victim, it might be do they walk that route regular? And one of the things we see with these children, not all of them, but most of them, is that, you know, they're, they're on the street a lot. And when you get child abductions, you tend to get the feral kids, the runaway kids. The kids have got no parents really looking after them, problems at home, um, kids that are in the care system, things like that. They're going to be easy prey. And, um, and uh, especially when, you know, you'd look into cases of ritual abuse, they, they would tend to pick kids that had been abused in the past as well because it's it, it was like almost the work had been done as it were for these perverts yeah the and then and, and the other thing we've got to look at is is the location you know and Coatbridge it just hit in my mind firstly because of Moira Anderson I mean I can remember looking at this case when I was it was put my way when I was uh on the investigation into the the child prostitution in London and someone said look at the Moira Anderson case the similarities are unbelievable and that's when I got to know about Coatbridge and it was only a bit later on when I started doing investigations into Fred West realised well actually at the same time Fred West was in Coatbridge and you think hmm and then you've got to look at the fact that it always gets pinned on one person and it's not one person. And this is one of the things I think we've, we, we've sort of made very apparent yeah. that this is a ring. And something even more sinister than this is um, they tend to stitch someone up. Yeah, uh, usually, yeah, you know, so we saw that with, you know, um, Leslie Molsey with Stefan Kishko and, and we saw that in, in, in the um, this one as well. They, they tried to pin it on some guy didn't they it was um i think he was a um, he had an alibi because he, he was in the territorial army that weekend yeah but they tried to stitch it on some local fella um and and the other thing is we got to look at the investigation team because the the initial investigation team would work match fit now is that deliberate well it might be because if you get an area with not a lot of murders then they're not really going to be that good. And you get other areas, especially of London, that get a lot of serious crime and murders. They're, they're, they're very sharp. Um, and we saw with this, the Cobridge CID got the case removed and it had to go to Rathclyde, who's, again, screwed it up. Um, and it was only really when uh, a detective inspector looked at it, refresh eyes much, much later, and they officially took it away from a missing person case into a murder inquiry in the 2000s uh, that we started to get progress. And then the um, Crown Prosecution made a bold statement that had who becomes the suspect, this Alexandra Garch or the um, bus driver, 
had he been alive today, he would have de- definitely got um, got charged. Okay. However, when they spoke to the original senior investigating officer, even up until recently, I don't know if he's still alive, he still claimed it was this this um, other guy who was slightly uh, slow and maintained it was always him. Of course, it wasn't, you know. Um, and we see that as a pattern as well. And is it incompetence? I think it goes far beyond incompetence. I think this is a very sophisticated cover-up mechanism we see with a lot of the, the cases that we've exposed. I think you're right. And when you mentioned there about different areas of the country having different resources and skill sets for for solving crimes and you know when you're cherry picking what areas you go to that is just another element that you could put down to the by design you know the the areas in which it's easier to effectively get away with the crime compared to others but also the uh, incompetence of those who are put in charge of the cases yeah yeah that's right i mean times change as well um and and one of one of the the amazing things that that comes out of it is these statements that the police make that when you actually sit back and you 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 use common sense and you put aside prejudice and put aside this attitude that the police know what they're doing, you know, put all that to one side. I mean, th- this original senior investigating officer come up with this notion that on a, on a cold February morning, snowy cold February morning no morning sorry late afternoon sorry early evening in darkness that this 11 year old girl got on the overnight bus um, and made her way to central London at the age of 11 years old I mean it's just it's madness. at what point but where we saw this was in Belgium uh, when two boys went missing and uh, no I think it was a brother and a sister or something anyway they went missing they were murdered and very similar time of year um, similar age. I think these kids are even younger, um, maybe eight or nine years old. I can't remember their exact names. And the the police said, "Oh, you know, they're they're probably just hiding out as mischievous kids do. In fact, they've been abducted and murdered." And the question went, "Well, they'll be cold and they'll be hungry." And and the again, this was the official narrative of the senior investigating officer. He said, "Oh well." It's rural out here. That they'll do what most kids do, and they'll dig up some potatoes. They'll eat them. They'll find somewhere warm, and they'll be okay. I mean, cognitive dissonance doesn't even cover it. This no. it's absolute mental that anyone would come up with that. And what's even worse is someone accepts it. Yeah, uh, uh, this is the thing. So, in Moira's case, where was the first case we're covering? Obviously, we've had the the crime being pinned on a local person who is a bit slow in the mind and yeah. the evidence that there's a larger group of individuals and it's important yeah, right. it's important for the listeners to understand that even though all these cases we're talking about is one individual one individual that um has been has been effectively charged with crimes this is a much bigger picture and there's some of the cases where um We've had different suspects who's been seen dumping bodies, and it 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 raises a lot of suspicious alarms. And you know, Moira Moira's case is is horrific. And what these kids, you know, the final moments of their lives is just so 
horrific to think of. And the individual's mindsets towards these children and seeing them just as disposable trash is so prominent in all these cases. It's very, 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 very enraging. And Brian McDermott, 19... If I, there's, I beg your pardon. Roy Tuttle, he was in 1968. And this is where Brian Fields comes into the... Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if if we just just before we depart from Moira Anderson, yeah. let's look at the, the information that mm -hmm. came through later in the inquiries when um, Fred West was named, um, as as well as um, Thomas Hamilton, who was the Thomas Hamilton was the massacre in Dunblane, um, which went on, you know, to to slaughter shoot all these young children in this primary school. So this guy turned around and he could link um, Alexandra Gartshaw and um, Fred West and, and, and Thomas Hamilton as part of a group known, known as the Untouchables. And they were a people group operating in that area. So just, so, just, just, just to spell that out, John, we've got just, just, I just reiterate again the names on yeah, that yeah. list and the right, individuals. Right, right. So, so a guy came forward, right, um, and uh, he, he, I think he, he was either in prison with Alexander Gartshaw or, or something like that. I can't. You, you'll see it in the original in our um, uh, radio um, documentary that we did on it. Okay. Anyway, he supplied the police of information. Um, he was attacked by the press, but he went on to make a statement, a uh, many, many page statement, and put his name to it for a Crown Court. Um, and he's prepared to swear on an oath that he had information that Moira Anderson, her death, was a result of an active paedophile group in um, uh, Coatbridge. Uh, members of the group involved included senior senior police officers, um, member bus drivers. Again, Alexander Gartshaw was a bus driver, uh, and also Thomas Hamilton and Fred West. Now, yeah. for those who I mean, maybe have never heard of Moira Anderson, I can tell you, most people listening will know some th those names and know the incidents that are tied to those names and when we get to the Dunblane case and you realize the media silence that has been inflicted on this case questions are raised when you realize what the individual who committed that massacre was actually involved in and the political ties that he has this is where it all starts to snowball and become very messy because everything starts to become clear yeah yeah that's right and how connected yeah. it is you know how that these people all know each other and it's not by coincidence it really isn't you know so so they're known it's um so especially with fred west in the mix and you've got to look at fred west he was active in, in here is a word from today's sponsor aura if you google someone you can find out all kinds of personal information about them this information is accessible because of data brokers who profit by selling your information to robocallers, telemarketers, spammers. 
you can use my link, https dot dot forward slash forward slash aura dot com. Aura is A U R A forward slash Sean Atwood, S H A U N A T T Wood, to try two weeks for free and see how many data brokers are sharing your info. Also linked in my description box on this YouTube version or scan the QR code on the screen. Aura also monitors your emails and passwords to see if they were involved in a data breach and exposed on the dark web and gives you the recommendations on what to do. Aura has almost every internet safety tool you'll ever need all inside one app. Philia up there and, and also killing people. He would run people over. So he had a lust for, for murder you know, and abuse of children. That's right, yeah. All, all throughout his adult life, you know, throughout his life, really. Um, but but to have him, I mean, him and his wife went on to become the biggest serial killers um, yeah. that we've known. And, you know, again, the links there with Mark Dutroux is that the detectives from uh, the West Inquiry were dragged out to help with the Brussels police um, because of the similarities between the crime scenes and, and, and the suspects. Yeah. And, and Fred West was very connected to police officers. He had uh, the Black Magic Club. I was just going to say, was there not a particular uh, organization that hung around in barns that connected Fred yeah, West? Yeah, well, well th- yeah, again, his son said, look, my father was part of um, a group called the Barn Club. And that they're around West. 391 people went missing. You know, they couldn't pin that amount on him, but his son said that a lot of them, them missing persons were attributed to his father, uh, who would procure these um, individuals uh, for, for murder and torture in this ritualistic group. Uh, and again, we, we know, well, I know, from the amount of information and research I've done into satanic ritual abuse, a lot of it takes part in barns. And when they found um, excavated and exhumed lots of the bodies, they, they had um, ritualistic sort of um, bindings around them, skulls that have been taped up, uh, left hands missing, which is a massive significance in, yeah. uh, in, in ritualistic murder. Yeah, the, the, um, in, in, the, in the video where we present all of this, I'm doing my research on the ritual side and what a lot of the hidden meanings are behind this stuff and it's something as simple as an injury specific to one side of the body has such relevance throughout all of this as well and that is something that is crucial for you to to grasp well let's look at why the left side you know and the, the latin word for left is sinister I mean, you know, even in Southern Ireland up until recent years, they would say that a left-handed person had the devil in them. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's um, uh, Muslims, uh, especially in the Arab world, they, t- they tell the, the adolescent young virgin girls to lay on their left side because in witchcraft, the left side is where the devil enters. The demons enter on the left. So it's got a huge significance, you know, and it's not by chance that these things are done in the hand as well. The hand is used um, to give good luck. Uh, If you ever see the film, The Wicker Man, the original Wicker Man with Edward Woodward, there's a scene in there where they leave um, a burning hand outside his room. And there's the um, 
the ceremony of the hand, uh, which is a satanic um, cer ceremony, you know, and it's uh, the hand, it's, the left hand's got huge significance. So, you know, the, these things are done for many reasons. And also there, there is a, a perverted level to it because um, you know, these people are, are people's. Uh, and so as well as that, that young child has got huge value and huge sacrificial value uh, in, in, in Satanism, um, also that there, there is also a perverted need for them, a sexual perversion for them. And if you read the book um, Dances with the Devil by Audrey Harper, Audrey was an ex-Satanist and then become a born-again Christian, and she went on to make a, a Channel 4 documentary with Roger Cook about Satanism. It's a fantastic uh, episode. And and she goes on to admit to her role in procuring children for sex parties for, for these people because they you know on top of everything else they they still like to have all young children in them. So there's more than one reason why these kids go missing. Yeah. And then they and then they pin it on one person. So whether or not that that person gets caught and the rules are like the mafia, shut your mouth you know, take the punishment and, and never reveal anything. Otherwise, we kill you. Maybe that's why Fred West died in a very similar way to um, Jeff Stein. Yeah. We see we see this a lot. We look at Ian Huntley that the, for the um, kidnap and murder of Jessica and Holly. I mean, again, I'm not convinced it was down to him. Joe, Two children. I, I, I don't know if we've done that case yet. That might be... Yeah, yeah. That might, I tell you what, that might that might be one that comes next week if we've not fully ironed out yeah, um, yeah. the presentation video because that might be one that's worth covering. Yeah, yeah, and well, well, what they did with him he, on remand, he was the first ever prisoner to be sent straight to Rampton Secure Hospital for the criminally insane, and then he, he was never the same afterwards. Mm. Um, what did they do to him? You know. It's, there's never underestimate these people. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, the Moy Anderson, what, what for me was the one that really got me looking into. There is a bigger connection, and and that was from a detective. Gave me a book and said, "Read this. Uh, this will help you with the investigation you're on." And and it did. And they said, "There's always more to it." Uh, and then we, you know. I read a book on geographical mapping murder, geographical profiling. It's fantastic, you know, and as well as sort of the, the tradecraft of of investigation. So the, the Moira Anderson case will um, always be a, a, a fascinating one for me because it, it, it really started, that was a thing that really opened my mind yeah. and realized that this isn't one individual. This is, this is a ring an organ, very highly sophisticated, organized ring. And this is where we, we started with Moira and we see this pattern, this algorithm. Yeah. You know, that's emerge. the perfect word for it, John. Algorithm yep. is the perfect word for it, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we, we move on to Brian Fields. Um, Roy again, Tom, this yeah. is something that, that I had um, a huge um, input in this because i i did a bit of independent investigation into the two young boys uh that, that were uh termed the milk carton kids that went missing in the 90s in um solihull and it was it's always believed to this day that brian fields murdered them and um 
you know, Brian Fields, again, interesting character, a dangerous man, and a hugely, hugely connected man. Yeah. You know, he went uh, away for the murder of, of Roy Tussell in 1968, a 14-year-old schoolboy that, that went missing on his way home um, from school in Surrey. And uh, Roy um, was walking home because he was saving money to buy a bike. So there would have been a pattern. So uh, Brian Fields would have would have sort of known. And Brian Fields, you know, we look at him as a crime scene. You know, who is Brian Fields? And and he's he's uh, an anomaly. He's um, he didn't get caught for this murder for a good thirty years. He got away with it. It was only by chance on on a, a DNA test from uh, blood taken as a result of drink driving that it pinged up and it matched um, semen that was on the clothing of, of Roy's body when it was found. So it got away there. And it, again, it was he was sort of seal, uh, semi-skilled uh, labourer that had a very transient nature. Um, on his private life, he, he was a violent man. He was a woman beater. Uh, he was a closet homosexual. And he was a child murderer. He was a murderer of young boys. He had a, a passion for young boys. Um, but when you look at his past, yeah, but people liked him um, because they were ignorant to that, we, we assume. But um, he was a bit of a character. He was, he was um, a strong guy, very fit for his age. You know, uh, very knowledgeable, very intelligent, and again, this is the other thing we, you know, we we see sometimes with a lot of people high IQ, because very deceptive characters, um, the, the stupid ones tend to get caught. Whereas the uh, guys like Brian Fields tend to string this out for many, many years. Yeah. So wherever he went, people liked him. Oh, very transient, would move on, move on. Again, a trail of destruction wherever he moved, and. Uh, but his past was he was an ex-Royal Marine um, and he would play rugby for them and things like that. But then we go, you know, back further. He was brought up in the kids' home. He was uh, he's a, the product of, um, uh, a, you know, he's a, what they call a bastard. You know, his father wasn't there. His mother was a prostitute. Yeah. Placed him to care basically from birth. And again, we've got to look at the damage done. Kids that are divested from their mother. Uh, the earlier, the more the damage. He was placed into um, a, a care home by foster parents who went on to win some uh, national award and, and actually end up going on This Is Your Life for services to um, uh, to, to fostering. And there's no nothing ever come out from Brian that he was abused, but he was definitely an abuser. He was a bully, um, and he went on to, to sexual abuse and rape living in this home. Now, what is interesting with this is that there's a lady who's written a book. Her name's Jenny. She's written a book about, it's called A Child From Nowhere. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's about her life um, in, in satanic ritual abuse and, and in foster homes. And she was uh, classed back in the, um, the same era, really, as, as both these crimes. She was a, it's a black girl, but she was classed as a, a child of difference. And back then, there wasn't many black children in, in the care system. You know, 
especially outside of the big urban conurbations. She was out in High Wycombe in, in Buckinghamshire, and she was placed into um, the foster care of the, these two couple, who again, like Brian Fields' foster carers, went on to win a national um, award for their services to children of difference. So this lot would take on uh, ethnic kids and disabled kids. And what they would do, they would keep them in a shed. Uh, they would ritually abuse them, uh, hold them for domestic servitude, um, feed them out dog bowls, uh, to- torture them, basically. Yeah, torture them. unbelievable. And abuse them. And they went on to win an award. So the fact that these people win awards means nothing. And Brian Fields didn't wake up one day and decide, I'm going to kids, especially when he was a young one himself. That would have been trauma-driven and learned behaviour. So it, there's every chance Brian Fields, as a child, was sexually abused and probably by these, this foster yeah, family. Yeah, well, I mean, when you, when you look at the data, it wouldn't be far off to assume that. I mean, to, and, to, 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 to do what they did and then go on to win awards, if that's not putting it in plain sight, I don't know what is. Yeah, and again, uh, Brian Fields travel around the country um, they Brian Fields is connected to a guy called Sidney Cook. Uh, Sidney Cook, if you don't know who he is, you've got to research this guy, aka Hissing Sid. Um, he's uh, probably the most notorious file uh, the UK's ever had, and he was part of a gang called the Dirty Dozen. And one of the members of his gang was a called Lenny Smith. Brian Fields was associated with Lenny Smith. They served prison time together. So just just to, um, just to recap, we've got the Untouchables and the Dirty Dozen. That's the first two yeah. collective yeah. known or talked about groups of individuals that prey on kids in this narrative. And yeah, is it? Do you know if it was the press that gave them the, their names or if they just yeah. pr- it was the yeah. press? Yeah. Um, I think so. I'm not sure whether it was a police name or whatever, but it was de- they've definitely termed it yeah. in the press as a dirty dozen. They never really fully released who they were, but there was um, Oliver Smith, Oliver Bailey and Cook. Uh, they they were known really for the murder of uh, a runaway called Jason Swift. Okay. And who over a period of days was tipped to death. Oh, um, and it was from his... his body that the murder investigation went on and put the, the group were, were um investigated for the death of nine boys and very weird stuff went on uh cook was a ringleader and cook um didn't get charged with with conspiracy to to kidnap and murder nine boys he, he just got done for um a co-defendant not even the reading reading read ringleader sorry uh, the, the code D in um, a conspiracy to commit manslaughter, manslaughter on two of the boys and actually got his sentence reduced. Uh, he, this is a connected individual, Sidney Cook, and we can link him to Brian Fields. We've also got connection with the fairgrounds. Um, we can connect Brian Fields to the fairgrounds. Uh, Sidney Cook definitely to the fairgrounds. Um and these people were, were linked in with moving around the country with a fairground. And the, I think it was West Midlands Police made made a, 
uh, a statement, something like 35 missing children linked to, to this bigger group. So it's to Brian Fields and Sydney Cook. Okay, so, so here we, might... we've we've reached our first slap on the wrist, okay, from a, a criminal who has done outrageous crimes, and the sentence doesn't seem to match that, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it, it, it's it's very disproportionately low. Yeah, and the reason, um, I, I don't mean to be sounding like <clears throat> I'm the narrative for any six-year-olds who's watching here because I'm dumbing, dumbing this down. I'm just highlighting the key points that are just so important to get drummed into your head. Groups and, and individuals, these repeating patterns, and the first occasion of a lenient sentence for an individual who has done such horrific crimes towards kids. Now, I'll also point out as well, we've got our first mention of, you know, the, the, the classic um, job and career path for these individuals with Cook and the fairgrounds, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and this isn't the last time we're going to come across this connection because we, we, we see it a few times. Um, we, we've got this transient nomadic lifestyle of, of the fairgrounds. Uh, they, they have a, a, a route that they publish. Uh, I think the National Archive have, have got copies of, of these routes. And that they go around, don't they? And they just see these posters going up in your town, fairground here, bank holiday, whatever. And there's a few families that they're, they're sort of... Um, uh, old school Romany gypsy types, you know, um, fairy gypsies, they call them. And off they go. It, it, you know, it, it, they're showmen, showmen, showmen's licenses. And you would get some offenders latch on um, to them as casual, unskilled labour. Cook was very, very much into this way. And, of course, they, they have access to kids because kids love the fairgrounds. And you get a lot of delinquent kids runaway kids that that sort of get drawn in you know late at night they're still there because yeah. they've got nowhere else to go so it, well it, i mean even even i remember when i was growing up uh primary school you know early years in high school when the shows as we call that we would call them came to the meadows right. uh you know that was the freaking place to be you know, come the weekend or, you know, if you're out late, allowed out a little bit later or whatever, that was the place to be. And, you know, there was always the creepy carnies and there was always that one girl in the school who was like 14 or 15 that yeah. was, you know, getting involved with the guy who runs the waltzers. And, you know, when you're a kid and you're at high school, and this is happening year after year. You don't really think about it as much as you do when you're an adult, but that is some wildly creepy activities and obviously yeah. highly illegal activities. And I mean, there was never any girls abducted from my school, but it was definitely prevalent, John. The the yeah. the the predatory mindset was definitely prevalent. There we go. That well, was well, what well, I was trying to say. I mean, Phil, Phil, you, you can follow him around the country and wherever you went, boys got abducted and said, and murdered. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he ends up, you know, um, during the nineties in the, in the West Midlands, and, and these these two boys go missing um, uh, in nineteen ninety six, and uh, uh, David Spence and Patrick Warren went missing on, on Boxing Day in nineteen ninety six, and there was a police inquiry links into it. Um, Fields was living uh, nearby. Um, and he worked as as a landscaper, 
Labour and he had access to um, uh, to various bits of land where he was known to dig and bury things. Uh, and he was caught on many occasions digging and burying things. And again, there was a whole trail of offending around this guy. And there was a really botched police investigation into it. And and one of the original investigators did, did make a comment saying, look, this is a cover-up. This is a cover-up. Yeah. Um, I... I got caught up in this um and, and we we set up um uh, an independent investigation into it and, and we, we did start um excavating a bit of ground and and we, we did a lot of good work had cadaver dogs involved and all sorts of things uh, and part of of my investigation plan was to visit um fields in wakefield prison so i wrote to him and i was going to go up there with a, an fbi um profiler and a specialist interviewer to see if we could talk to him and see if he was prepared to reveal something. Um, and I wrote to uh, Fields, and the next thing I get a letter from the Home Office Intelligence Unit threatening me with arrests uh, for harassment if I ever wrote to him again. Yeah, that's, so that's there, crazy. There's a huge cover-up around Brian uh-huh. Fields. Yeah, you got to smell a rat when an ex-police officer writes one letter and is threatened uh, 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 to that degree. It's, it's quite hair-raising, and it's, 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 it's just more fuel to the fire, John. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I had uh, a few meetings with um, uh, West Midlands Police, and, and one was a face-to-face meeting, and it was, it was appalling. It was just, uh, I mean, I've, I've worked with these these people for decades so i know what to expect but the level of arrogance that we met from the senior investigating officer um that's taken on this case again these missing boys that, that for years it was put down as a, a again a missing person missing person this was a milk carton kids it was years before they actually adopted it as a murder inquiry um but one of the things that come out of this was that a well-known West Midlands comedian um, information come in that the time these boys went missing, Brian Fields was doing a patio for this well-known comedian. And there was a report given to the police that this guy was seen before he was putting down the concrete foundations for a new patio. He was seen to take quite a large item in the early hours of the morning into the um you know the, the landfill site of course yeah uh, you know in this guy's garden uh, just before the slab of concrete was laid and the police never ever um did any sort of um geo fears on it or anything they just said no we're not we're not taking it up uh, which i found very very odd but very hostile very condescending investigation team arrogant um, and bear in mind the original um, lot that looked into it. Uh, one of the coppers said, "This is a massive cover-up." So, again, r- remains an open case. Yeah. In my opinion, Brian Fields was part of of a profile group, and yeah. I don't think he worked alone. He was part of a big people network, and we can connect him to to the most infamous gang of child rapists and, and murderers. And that was a dirty dozen run by Hissin Sid, a.k.a. Uh, Sidney Cook. Yeah. 
it, it doesn't get any better moving forward, people. Um, we're just we're just breaching now into the seventies. We've left the swinging sixties and we're into the the seventies now. And uh, uh, hang on a second, yeah, Brian McDermott and Leslie Molseed have we have we just covered them? I beg your pardon, have I just? Well, no, 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 we haven't. Yeah, um, that's fine. Yeah, you know, uh, um, uh, Brian McDermott. Hopefully, we will go into greater details about. Yeah, give um, us, give us the <clears throat> that one. Give that us the one really. Yeah, give us need, um, yeah, give us give uh, us a quick uh, summary of the points that are yeah. relevant. You don't don't go too deep into the case because, like I say, that's a major presentation. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Nineteen seventy three, September nineteen seventy three. Uh, young lad, I think eleven year old boy called Brian McDermott goes missing from a park, out playing in the park with his pals. Um, I think his mates were i've gone to have to confirm this yeah we're both residents of kinkora children's home um which again there, there's been many 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 documentaries done on on the, the abuse and trafficking of children yeah at a very high level um and and murder of children at, at, at kinkora so um anyway it's the same uh area this this young boy he goes missing and he's not seen again and uh, the police, you know, don't really take it seriously. But the strange thing is, information gets gets sent to the RUC that this is a ritualistic witchcraft killing. But not on one occasion, quite a few occasions. So, so the RUC actually start looking at it as a witchcraft killing because his body, days later, appears in the River Lagan and it's been mutilated now when we do the program i'm going to go into a lot more detail about the mutilation of this body yeah and on information which has not ever been been put out there yeah. um i'm gonna need to um inform um both the garda and the RUC of the information I've got before I pull it out now. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's only right that they're allowed to. Um, yeah, it's serious. It's serious stuff. And like John's, John's saying, we're not going into the cases. We're just mentioning the points that are relevant to connect this big picture together. I yeah. know it's a lot to take yeah. in, people. There is visuals coming as well. John and I are working on a big mind map that will be made available to you all so that you can... It's easier to see patterns when they're colour-coded <laughs> and in front of you, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, well Brian, um, he's one of, of, I think, about five kids that go missing and get murdered in yep. the area yep. uh, in, in that period of time, all young boys. At the same time, allegations are coming out uh, regarding the Kinkora Boys' Home yep. and the uh, you know institutional of young boys, and some of that by um, parliamentary figures well, yeah, uh, within the Protestant community of Northern Ireland. Um, we, and then there's an interesting character called Colin Wallace, who's um, uh, an officer in the intelligence corps and working with the, the um, intelligence services in the UK. And uh, he starts looking into this, and he's actually um, told to go and start setting up mock satanic ritual abuse sites in the area at the time That's of... Right. of um, yeah, which is something they'd never done before. Bear in mind that that's the information being received is that that um, 
Brian Molseed has been killed by it by a witchcraft people group, um, which is something I can really assist with, which will really add weight to the fact that that, that may well have been the case. Yeah. And um, so the RUC are then sort of basically bullied into changing their mind and, and putting it down to a murder, uh, just a standard murder of a mutilated corpse. But then once that that occurs, and bear in mind all the figures that were involved were were allegedly involved with the Kinkora um, rapes and murders. You know, it, it, it was very politically destabilising. Um, as we found with the um, Dolphin Square and the Elm Guest House in the UK. Um, they then start looking elsewhere, and they then pin the murder on on his, um, Brian's teenage brother, who was about 16 at the time, and said it was a tit-for-tat retaliation attack because Brian, a few days earlier, had hit his brother with a stick, so his brother had murdered him. You know, bear in mind... I think his brother was 14 at the time, and he got arrested when he was 16. But bear in mind, you know, the, the narrative is that his brother, who loved him, because um, he got hit by a stick, decides to kill him, mutilate his body, yeah, it's... decapitate his body, and then dump his torso in a nearby river, right, a fast-flowing deep river, and then carry on with his life and say nothing. Yeah. To his parents. Now, you know, what level of psychopathy have you got there if someone does that? I mean, it's it's one thing, you know, going out stealing as a kid and or hitting your brother or, I don't know, nicking something or kicking the neighbour's cat or something like that. And at some point you get hit with guilt and you, you go very silent and your parents know that you've done wrong. But to to mutilate your own brother... And then carry his corpse miles and chuck it in a sack in a river and then not say nothing and not even go to pieces, you know, and break down and things like that. It's a load of bollocks. Yeah. Um, and, it, and that was the police narrative. So we're seeing this uh, again when, when we go back to the, the Moira Anderson one, that, that they did it there to a guy that was a little bit slow on the uptake he gets stitched up with it um we're now seeing it with with his brother with, with brian mcdermott's brother and we're going to see this time and time and time again the same pattern again 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 um so so brian uh mcdermott is a really really interesting case um and it it ties in with all so much yeah. and it, it basically ties in with the with the boy business that there was a business in the trading, the trafficking of young boys. Now, if anybody would like to know a little bit more about the care home scenario, the situation in Ireland, uh, I, I know, just forgive me if I get his name wrong, is it Richard Kerr or Robert Kerr? Uh, Richard Kerr. Kerr, that's it. There's a few yeah. interviews on Sean's channel. They'll be down and linked uh, down below. This man's story is really, it's horrendous. And, this is a very crucial part in Brian's story. Uh, so I advise anybody who would, you know, can't wait till next week or whatever, and needs, you know, need to dive into this more, go and watch those. They're linked down below, and they will further explain the uh, atrocities that went on there. And 
this this is this is where it gets a bit interesting because we spoke about the West, okay? We've spoken about Sydney Cook, but there's also the Yorkshire Ripper, Mark Dutroux, and the Moors murders, and and of course mm. the Dunblane massacre, which, for example, the Mark Dutroux, the Yorkshire Ripper, the West, these are all hum. These are all massive cases. These are all like huge, and. What's important for people to try and understand is what we're really getting at here is some individuals went a bit, you know, maybe took things, you know, way too far for the people they worked with. For example, the Yorkshire Ripper, the Wests, okay? They did a lot more than just procure children, take them somewhere and then partake and, and leave. You know, there was, a, there was a much more darker twisted further darker and twisted than it already is in these individuals and certainly it wouldn't be out of the question john individuals uh the yorkshire ripper the moors uh, murders the wests it all points to procurers for almost as if they're being selected by a larger group to facilitate this unknown group's need for children yeah, yeah. Um, 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 like I say, this this is like the boy business or the child business. Yeah. It's not this random. Uh, um, what's the word for it? Uh, when when you're just opportunistic. No, well, that's exactly um, it. This, this is the thing. It, 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 you know, it, it's too. There's too. Sure, we, we arguably, if we look at every single child abduction and murder case in the UK there's going to be a percentage of opportunistic killers and, and things like that. But the MOs in the cases are completely different, you, you know? And we've got to look at miles travelled in a lot of these cases. Look at a 14-year-old boy murdering his brother, popping him in a sack, and then just, what, walking down the road a few miles? I mean, it, it's, it's kind of insane for an adult with a driving licence to be able to transport a body, let alone a 14-year-old. And then you've got well, you've got kids getting on trains, whether it's the Detroit case or uh, back to back to the fifties again. Kids shouldn't. The, the excuses for where the bodies turn up compared to where the, the bodies were taken from is another thing that is worth noting. Well, well, it, it gets even darker because we two years later, a young girl, eleven-year-old girl uh, called Leslie Moseed, goes missing from from her home. In, in Rochdale and um, pops down the shops. She's uh, a little bit slow um, educationally. She's a little bit subnormal. Um, she had a heart defect. So yeah. She's very, very, very um, small and, and skinny. I, I, I think she's something, made something like three stone in weight. She's, she was a real sort of dot of a, a little girl. Yeah. And and she sort of um, just pops to the shop, runs for an errand. Again, exactly the same uh, scenario as Moira Anderson. Uh, little Leslie pops to the shop and that's it. Never ever seen again. Um, and days later, a body is found on the moors near Saddleworth Moor in Yorkshire. Again, the, the site of, of many murders by, by uh, Hindley and, and Brady. Um, they're sort of all connected in this area, and there was always um, rumours of, of of a satanic group 
Um, I'm going to go into a bit more detail about that in a second. And um, uh, a guy finds um, the, the body and the police come and, and it goes up as a crime scene. Uh, and what happens is they, they arrest a guy called Stefan Kishko, who was uh, a civil servant. He was guarded, uh, um, never hurt anyone in his life. Um, and he gets stitched up for the murder of this little girl. And he ends up serving 16 years in prison. Mm-hmm. And the, the copper who, um, I, the copper who, um, who arrests him, is, is praised by and, and convicts him is praised by by the courts for a job well done yeah um he is later uh moved um to uh to head the um ripper inquiry where he balls his that up as well okay i just want i just want to pause you there for a second so the individual who was in charge of this case uh was promoted and then put in charge of the ripper case now i just want to point yeah. out that the, the the, what was the gentleman's name? Kishko. What was his first name? Stefan Kishko. Stefan, Stefan Kishko. 16 years later, the way that his case was handled, okay, and this is a direct quote, it was referred to as the greatest and worst miscarriage of justice of all time, okay, by uh, the legal team in charge of the, the case being reopened in 1992. The greatest and worst miscarriage of justice of all time. And just to reiterate, the person who was in charge of the greatest miscarriage of justice of all time, was he fired or promoted, John? Um, He he was promoted. That's right, John. I just just wanted to clarify. Yeah, yeah, massively promoted. uh, You know, way above his ability. Now, when we were talking previously about incompetence and the way that this has all been put together it's almost like you could have a bunch of incompetent individuals being run by an individual who knows what's going on and is on the payroll of this ring right it's almost like a pictures forming yeah and and also there was semen found on the body the little girl leslie mossy was stabbed 12 times in the back in the back uh you know um and the knife with such ferocity, went straight through her body on a couple of stabs. Um, Jesus. And there was there was semen found. Uh, and and the strange thing is, Kishko had a medical condition uh, where he couldn't he could produce semen but not sperm. Uh, and there was sperm found in the semen, and it wasn't his. Yeah. It wasn't his. It was only uh, later a very very similar. So like Brian Fields with him, um, the um, uh, police went and um, uh, a guy gets arrested for I think I think the, the sick sort of a prostitute. And this guy gets arrested and he's um, brought in and they, they you know send off off the analysis and it comes back as as a hit you know for um, for this and. Uh, uh, what's his name? Boom, boom, boom. Ronald, Ronald Castry. Ronald Castry. And this is in two, just, to, just, just to point out again, this is in 2006 when, Robert, when Ronald Castry is arrested for this. Okay? Yeah. 2006. Kishko's already done 17 years. 
for yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. The greatest and, miscarriage and, of justice. And that was in 92. 14 years again. 14 years is when Robert Castry was eventually apprehended. And he is um, inside. He has a he has a terrible time. He's, he's brutalized of and course. all sorts. Um, Happy days. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, um, what's his name? Uh, sorry, um, Stefan Kishko. Oh, that's yeah. Well, he's, that's uh, brutal. Yeah. That's, that's but, terrible. But, you know, uh, so so we got Castry again. When you look at Castry, a really, really screwed up individual, brutal to his wife and children. He was raping his own children. He was a pervert. Um, he was a serial rapist. He was a pedophile. Um, he just wasn't a nice guy. So, you know, his, his um, semen comes back as a hit. But also, at the scene, there was numerous sightings of another guy. And that guy was a man called Raymond Hewlett. Right? And Raymond Hewlett is, uh, you know, an absolute, you know, massive abuser. Um, he, he even cropped up as a... Um, as a suspect on the um, the, the McCann murder, um, and, and you know Hewlett was uh, a a fairground worker, a transient itinerant fairground worker, and was seen on the day um, at the same location as where the body of Liz, little Leslie Molsey was dumped. Raymond Hewitt was, you know, he he, he did crop up uh, as a suspect because he was seen at. Um, the same that prayer deluge at the same time he was suspect but he'd also he was transient he used to travel around europe um getting odd jobs and and he was always arrested for a string of sequences but he worked as um on the fairgrounds and traveled the uk and uh wherever he went there, there was always offending against children you know and so he was um he was brought in uh for the um uh, Leslie Molsey thing, but it, it, you know, it was Castry that uh, was convicted of killing um, her in the end. Yeah. But you know, these, you know, we're looking at uh, like a, a big Peter thing, but also there, there's um, there, there's a, a case, a, a story went out um, uh, in in the papers around Saddleworth, um, around there, and it was a case of the Casson cult. And um, it's an it's an interesting article that went out by uh, an investigative journalist, and it was also to do with a, a guy called Casson, who um, lived in in Saddleworth, and he um, uh, was actively involved in Satanism, you know, um, and he uh, is is connected to the um, the Leslie the Leslie Mulseed case, and it, it's. Um, very, very, very strange. I'm, I'm trying to um, uh, find out where this is because I did, uh, I did a bit of research on this, and there's a couple of stories that went out, um, and and there's a connection with this guy Casson to Sir Garth Morrison, who was a chief in charge of the Scouts, and Morrison was also connected to Jimmy Savile. So Garth Morrison, uh, is he was you know a well-known knighted for his services to, to scouting. Um, he's pretty much doing the job that that Bear Grylls was doing, an ex-naval guy. Um, 
knighted by Her Majesty in 2007. Um, and he is linked to this guy, Casson, and he is also, Morrison, linked to Jimmy Savile. Yeah, it's... Um, and, and then we can link um, uh, Casson in with um, uh, Hewitt and uh, Castry. So so we've got, uh, you know, and of course, linking in with, with the Saddleworth connections, you know, this is where it links in with Cyril Smith. Yeah. And of course, uh, the the case of wrongful conviction of of um, Kishko was put to the MP, who was Cyril Smith. Correct. And it was and it was all uh, bossed and went nowhere. And who's? I mean, Cyril Smith obviously has connections with Thatcher. Thatcher has connections with Savile. It's yeah. it's bec- and and again, I understand that some of you are going to be sitting there like this is. A lot to recap. Trust me, when you start seeing uh, faces on a mind map with arrows connecting everything and it's all colour-coded, it becomes a lot easier to digest all of this. And it's a scary and shocking reality that's unfolding in front of us, John, because even in the Savile case, you know, we talk about Jimmy Savile, there was hundreds of arrests after Jimmy Savile uh, was exposed. Um, yeah. And it's interesting how we hear about the big hitters and the big names in those cases, but a lot of them sort of fly under the radar. And that in itself, hundreds of people all connected to one individual. Is that not a ring in itself, John? Of, of course. And then, because what we've got to look at is you know, the connection to satanic groups. Yeah, of course. Uh, cult, who, who are, not only are they abusive children, they're also producers of child pornography. Yeah. And snuff movies. Yeah. So again, there's a business in that. There's money that they make from uh, holding rituals for people that want success in business or they want opposition taken out or they want someone killed or they want someone to get cancer or whatever. So they'll make huge money in that because, you know, to, to procure a kid um, and then hold the kid and then torture a kid and dispose of it, there's a lot of logistics in there. There's a lot of planning in there. There's a lot of um, covering up and cleaning up in, yeah. in all of that. I mean, there's a, theory, um, though, there's a theory, though, that a lot of boats leave from Amsterdam, head out to international waters, and it's all done there. And uh, the lobsters feed on the corpses of these murdered children. And that... There's a, there's a documentary called The Boy Business that goes over that entire theory. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, they, you know, they chuck the bodies overboard. And if you're 12 miles out, you know, um, no one knows. And they film it. And yeah. there's money, to, there's big money. I mean, back in the 1980s, a child video was worth the same price as a brand new family saloon car. Yeah. You know, that's that, and that was official. That came from um, the head of the pitfall unit, told me of that. Uh, Scotland Yards told me, you know, this is how much money w- was involved, and so you can imagine how much um, a snuff movie was. Um, it's, it's all so, it's, you know, and, and that part of the world as well. Um, so there's, um, I mean, I mean, I'm talking to um, a survivor of, of of ritual abuse from the area um, who. Um, uh, would have been the same age as Leslie Molseed. Um, she's always this woman's always campaigned 
uh, you know, that her father gets exposed. Um, and he was best friends with, with both Castri and Casson. And she said, you know, and she was abused by, by them all. And she said, you know, they, they abused us all. Well, you know, I'm living testimony because she's an intergenerational survivor. Yeah. Um, but she said, you know, kids were killed and they were killed. So it's nothing new. We're saying the same pattern coming up. But the um, the police cover-ups in the Leslie Mulsey thing, it, it was just absolutely appalling. Yeah. You know, and uh, again, it, it took a lot of campaigning. It was his mother who campaigned and campaigned and campaigned for her son to get out and the police wouldn't change their attitude. Um, and then, of course, the, the copper that was um, commended by the judge for swift and effective um, and diligent investigation into uh, Kishko, um, they later realised it, it was just an absolute monumental cock-up. The judge failed to see error in what he had done. Um, and well, the see, apologized. Cock-up cock up implies a mistake that nobody intended, John. It certainly wasn't a cock-up. It was a well-orchestrated plan. Of course. You know? Of course, yeah, yeah. Just, I, yeah, I, I'm yeah. not, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to correct you there. It's just the term, and we've got to watch, the, we've got to use the right terminology here because these people, it, it would be a lot easier to sleep at night if it was a cock-up, you know? Well, they, well, what is it they always say? Lessons have been learned. You know, that's the same. Have they? Have they though? You know, Lessons have been learned. Yeah. You know, let's let's move on. Let's put this down as a bad experience. Yeah. And you know, and, and let's hope this never happens again. And that's it. Case closed. Shut up. And you know, so um, very interesting case. And of course, someone has picked up on this. And like we've mentioned on the series before, and, I, and I've alluded to it. Please, please, please watch Channel 4's trilogy red riding and it's all about not just the leslie Molseed stefan kishko saga it also ties in with the yorkshire ripper jimmy savile um peter sutcliffe businessmen freemasonry satanism uh the police corruption it, it it's got the whole lot and this is this in essence is what we are looking at with every single one of these cases. We are looking Correct. at the full guy who cops it. Uh, sometimes they get the right one. Sometimes they don't. And when I say the right one, it's it's really the mug, the puppet that, that, that cops it for all of them. Uh, behind it is a people group, a child pornography group, a filmmaking group, uh, a ritualistic abuse group, businessmen, dodgy coppers, clergy, politicians, and on it goes, on it goes. It does. But um, Red Riding sums it up, sums it up so well. Yeah, but, Red Riding, uh, the the boy business. Go and watch them. There'll be links in the description for interviews that cover the atrocities that went over in the Irish boys' home as well, and. Like I say, the visuals for this do help a lot. I know it's complicated, but don't let the complication of this lead your brain to go, oh, I'm just going to write this off. It's too much for my brain to deal with. Stick with it. Over the next few weeks, like I say, this is all going to come together. And when you start looking at 
for example, this is going to, this is one that's come out of, this is what the first one we've done was the Jill Dando case. They often talk about Jill Dando knowing something that she shouldn't have. And that could, yeah. that could have had a lot to do with Savile, right? For argument's sake, let's just say for a second, Jill Dando knew about Savile or something along those lines and was going to go public with it. The way she was killed and the way that everything was handled is the identical MO to how a lot of these child cases are handled. It's pinned on somebody and then at a later date we find out, oh well, it was a monumental cock-up of police investigation. Even down to how the crime scene was handled on the day is incredibly suspicious. And even though that is not a child abduction case, it's very interesting when individuals try and you know allegedly uh, put forward information and then you know they're shot on their doorstep yep that's right and uh and then stitch up a person yeah again and and, you know, and then and then the same thing lessons learned you know and then destroy the crime scene that's it i'm mean, getting hundreds hundreds of uh ambulance ambulance work, all over yeah. it and you know drop cannulas everywhere and, and, and decimate the crime scene and that's it. Um, and it takes some planning. It takes some planning. Um, and that's what I always say. Look at who attacks you and who backs you. Or, or your next time there's a crime in your area, see how many ambulances turn up and see how long it takes for them to get there. Okay? Because that alone is just insane. How many ambulances turned up? The, the the crime scene yeah. not being secured and again it, it's not it's not exciting to be unearthing all of this stuff it's great the only feeling of of sort of joy you get is yeah we got we're getting the bastards you know that's that's the drive for it all but it's it's sad it's grim and the fact is if if there was ways for us to investigate things over the last two, three, four hundred years, I'm sure all of this would be prevalent as far back as the the demonic entities at the center of all of these rituals have been around. Um, I mean, what what I've found interesting uh, with this is that if we look at the, the case of Brian McDermott. Uh, we've got this Colin Wallace, this intelligence officer, who highlighted as a result of looking into the ritualistic stuff. First time we really hear that officially mentioned, and they go out and and, and try and make up a mock sites to detract the um, focus from the real sites. And also, they were decimating sites by pouring animal blood that they said they got from butchers over it. So you're, you're contaminating. The, the real DNA with animal DNA. Correct. And they were doing this deliberately. Of course. Um, and because there was, you know, there was a very active person that was known as the Royal Profile, which was Mount Man. Lots of information about him. Uh, we saw it with um, Operation Conifer um, with Ted Heath, that, that not only was he uh, a pedophile and a child, he was also an active satanist. And that came out officially in the findings of that. So we've got these two top people. Now, that's information yeah. that, you know, if the Catholics could have got hold of that and put that information out during the times of the Troubles, I mean, that would, that would 
be so dangerous for the for the Protestants, uh, which would have been the ruling uh, party in the north, um, and that could have caused problems because ninety percent of of Western Europe is Catholic. Uh, you know, so it, it would have caused uproar, and of course, with the Americans, um, how what their attitude be, and 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 it was funny because at the same time with the Kinkora stuff coming out, the the FBI started a profile on Mountbatten, and they said this man's a pervert and should never be allowed to be decision making in the military, which he was allowed to do, and and of course, Colin Wallace said, with with that information. Um, he also he went to uh, the British government and said, you know, this is what's going on, um, and boys are going missing. Um, you need to look at who is coming and going from Kinkora, because this needs to stop. Because he knew the boys were being murdered and raped. Um, very shortly afterwards, Colin Wallace is stitched up for a murder that he had nothing to do with and served ten years in prison. <laughs> 10 years yeah. he served in prison. So they'll even do it to one of their own. And it, it, there's a documentary called The Man Who Knew Too Much. Um, and it, he wasn't alone. There was another army officer who spoke out as well. Um, and he actually came to the assistance of Richard Kerr. Uh, Richard went and met with him. You know, um, that, it, it's just all built around perversion. Yeah. We, we should never underestimate the power of people and how integral it is. In, in manipulating and controlling global politics. I mean, we've not even gone on about the West. And I mean, we will look up yeah, the West. Of course, we can then go. take this. And how many kids? There were 390 kids. And we can now link in Fred West with, with the police, with sex parties, with porn films, with prostitution, and, and we're supplying uh, children and people for satanic rituals. Uh, and then, of course, what happens to him? He dies exactly the same way with the same MO as as Epstein. Exactly the same. You know, we're seeing the same pattern. We we the one thing is these algorithms keep popping up again and again and again. Yeah. All the time. And again, it's awful one thing I said to you during the West episode. It's awfully interesting that Fred and Rosemary met each other and we're both into the same horrificness. Now, just think about this, right? If you and your missus are into fishing and you meet your missus on a Facebook fishing page or on like an annual angler's retreat, okay? That is a common story. You have a common interest. You meet through that common interest. Arguably, arguably, John, right? These two could have met through the same... Because I just can't imagine you're in the pub and you're like, all right, what's your name? Oh, my name's Fred. Your name's Rosemary. Oh, by the way, do you fancy abducting and murdering some kids? And 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 Rose was quite happy to proffer her own children up. Oh yeah, she was um, for fodder for for these rituals and for these sex parties. Correct. So it it, it was win win all around. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a very very bizarre, and um, we see that quite a lot with um with child murders. We've seen it in, in the papers quite a bit where a little kid is battered to death and yeah. uh, mum and step-parent are, are both having a go. I think they learned... How, think... how, how do these people meet? These... I think they learned their lesson with the Wests. I think that was the last era of sh long, long leashes on the individuals acquiring the kids. I think it's short leash, leash generation now. I think the Wests just... Even 
in the eyes of these individuals were doing too much in the public as opposed to it just being behind the barn well, doors well well i think i think when we look at it on an industrial scale we look at the uh, the wash houses in southern ireland where they when they've excavated the land they found hundreds of baby skeletons yeah that's... i mean that that was the the sacrifice of children on an industrial scale and mm-hmm. they got away with it for decades yep decades and again so people, it can, can be done people who are sitting there who are saying oh now it's gone too far how can these people get away from it for decades i just want to take us back to the care home people who are winning awards for lifetime achievements on yeah. one side and then behind closed doors they're butchering humans but well i think we can we can make this more user-friendly and say look at the guy that was a saint who built spinal injury units and run marathons and raised 14 million pounds yeah you know <laughs> and and had tv programs yeah. got knighted got a papal knighthood get this you know and he i mean he was it's wild just uh, just on on the subject of uh the blonde-haired charitable gentleman yeah did you watch the, the bbc series the yes 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 the reckoning I've, I've, how, funny enough i've just how good was it, that um, tonight. i mean just take away the fact that it's about a monster and let's just focus on yeah. storytelling cinematography and coogan's acting just for five yeah. minutes right I thought it was up there with Band of Brothers for production. Yeah, I, I, was I, I was blown away. What a sensationally put together series. I think the way that they done the Brilliant. the moments of tension and the moments of where, where something horrible is going to happen. The oh, sh- it was the, brilliant without, without actually uh-huh, showing yes. horrible things happening. Yes. It, it, uh-huh. it was, it was Powerful. But what, what really frustrated me uh, most was when they they had uh, he was about to be offered the role and he was competing against others and it was just given to him yeah and and the uh, the the lady in charge she just said no this man's a monster he's a pervert he's this and so when they did the self adjudication the BBC and they said look there's nothing to see I mean what planet were they on John who th- well, listen, made that decision John the subconscious tale that we've all just been exposed to is a very cl- this is the this is the one thing i picked up on the whole series was a cleverly put together bbc display of how everybody knew at the bbc yeah, so it's yeah. a collective fault because look at all the people who knew the men outside the door the secretaries yeah. the nurses it can't yeah. just we you, we've got to share the blame do you see that's that's the 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 hidden message that I got from the series, which left yeah, a bit yeah. of a brutal taste in my mouth, if I'm being honest. But which, which which takes it to another question. Um, Louis Farou, uh-huh. a very intelligent, um, clever, uh, investigative journalist. And when you watch Louis meets Jimmy, yeah, uh, he had already uh, was pre-armed. With, with the questions for Jimmy Savile about his suspected failure. Yeah. Listen, right. I'm not, all I'm saying is it doesn't matter how good a journalist you are. If you're investigating somebody who's mates with the Yorkshire Ripper and he wants yeah. to put the shits up you, I believe Jimmy Savile could, it was an expert in m- mental manipulation. Uh, well, this, this was what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, Louis Ferrou in his snaky, um, 
I'm thick and I'm ignorant approach to interviewing, which is brilliant. I must say it's brilliant. Yeah. And, it, and it is a tradecraft that we used to employ on specialist interviewing. You're very, very good. But towards the end, without a doubt, Savile was totally and utterly playing him and manipulating him. He'd met his match, Louis Theroux. Yep, 100%. And Savile totally and utterly had him. Looked, honestly, I feel like Louis shifted to somebody who looked like he was riding it out and just wanted to survive the last filming yep, sessions yep, of this. Yep, yep. And this shows how powerful and clever um, Savile was. And, and without a doubt, this is a very, very horrible, devious, if we're man. If we're to believe what we've seen in the Savile series, Jimmy Savile would quite happily look you in the eye knowing that you feel like your life's in danger if we're to assume uh, Louis was uh, put in the hot seat. We're talking about an individual who, you know, abused a girl in a wheelchair whilst recording her so that it went out onto national air mid-abuse. I mean, if that is not uh, a testament to the man's not even just his narcissism but his sick and twisted mind i don't know what is i mean i, I don't but, know but he, he he was procuring runaway kids yep. for parties some of them kids were never seen again yep. so he, he you know th- this is what they never showed on that yeah they and well, they, they, they dulled it i mean they they, they picked the, the the victims and they folk because i mean let's be honest it would have been a 200 part series it, it really would have. oh yeah oh yeah but but there was no inference on that as well. They should have inferred he was doing this. And also, yeah, this guy was a grand wizard in some satanic sect, and yep. he was. Now that would have had the major. You know, it's a bit like Freemasonry. It holds power, and they never alluded to that. What the fuck was done. he wearing on Songs of Praise? By the way, did you see it with that, the green thing with like the big hood that came up? Was it on Songs of Praise? I think it was. He's he's had some mad outfits over the years. I, I will say no, that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. He wore this bizarre, yeah, um, real it, uh, yeah, you know, weird. So yeah, yeah, it looked like a big. Type. Yeah, it looked like yeah, yeah, like a monkey the, type, the bastard child of like a ceremonial robe and a dressing gown. Do, do you know that's what I mean? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember he's. Yeah, that photo got released of him like as a grand wizard of some it's bizarre. Fucking mad. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I know. If you go and look at ritualistic ensemble and then look at what he's wearing, it's a bit sus. It's a bit sus when, you know, Catholic priests have, you know, symbols that have been released by the FBI to, you know, uh, in- indicate, you know, their want for interactions with children. That's a bit weird. It's a bit weird when well, Disney releases, you know, children's animations that have the same symbols all over the characters. Symbols and oh know, yeah 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 you know, in in the I mean again judge a person by the company they keep so he was the people he was hanging around with and who was hanging around him uh, more lonely look we went on about Mount Batten yeah yeah you, you know known as the Par Royal yeah uh, Charles was his uh, you know his protege as it were uh, Savile and Charles were best friends Charles's best mate was Peter Ball with Peter Ball Bishop. Again, Peter and, and, and Charles go hand in hand, and he is now the monarch of this, this land. And that's a dangerous, dangerous situation I think we're in now. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it doesn't get any better, put it that way. I mean, it really, really doesn't. We just got to look at, I mean, listen, let's not go down the royal road, but we all know what went on on a certain island with a certain man and a certain list of names 
And yeah. even through massive public inquiry, nothing, nothing has happened. Again, yeah, so again this is all like, we've learnt lessons, let's <laughs> move on. It's the same thing, learnt lessons, let's move on. Someone's killed, uh, they've committed suicide, and, and everything dies with that person. Let's yeah. put it all on one boat and sink that boat. Yeah. And that's, that's what they do all the time. Or, or we'll just stitch up someone who's got special needs. <laughs> that's the other one. <laughs> Uh, the pattern is there. The it's algorithm. So, bang, bang, yeah, bang, bang. We're, we're laughing here because we, we, we kind of get the... the uh, it's a sick joke. Isn't yeah, it? It is, that's, ex that's exactly what it is. Oh, man. Yeah. I just want to state once again, neither of John and I are suicidal in any way. So if we pop up uh, with a note written, it wasn't through our own doing. I just want to point that out right now. Um, yeah. Well, listen, uh, is there anything else you want to just touch on during this recap episode before we start winding down? Uh, no, I, I, I would say please look at the parallels that we've drawn um, yeah. and look, stay tuned because yeah. we're going to we, make we've, it got easier. Ground, we, we've got a groundbreaking one coming up, yeah. which is going to need some legal advice. And um, yeah. it's good. It's really good. And, and again, we know it's a lot to take in. There is visuals coming. I'll show you some on screen just now so you know that I'm not blowing smoke up your backsides. But once this is released, you will be able to sit down, go through each case, and then everything will be connected in a beautiful color-coded visual that is destined to ruin whatever evening you sit down to uh, consume it on. Thank you, John, for uh, joining me once again. It is one of the highlights of my week, us sitting here and discussing this stuff. And, you know, we're coming up to Halloween. Well, then we'll be coming up for yep. Christmas and we'll be getting some things planned there. Maybe we'll, uh, what I'd quite like to do, John, is maybe do a month where each week we bring on a working professional in forensics and we discuss how maybe um, science and things like that are used in cases to solve them, blood splatter or whatever. And then we'll uh, maybe start thinking about how we're going to ruin everyone's Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll... I'll... I've got a couple I've just been put in touch with um, someone who runs probably the biggest independent forensic company. So, um, Wicked, yeah, fantastic. I, I'll see what I can do. Yeah. I can see what I can do. Without a doubt, I think we can uh, bring on probably the best sex murderer, sex offender, profiler, child murderer, profiler in the world. Um, I think she's a friend of, of Sean Atwood's show, um, Corinne Hutzdebart, I'm, I'm sure. She will oblige. That would be amazing, opinion. yeah. Well, listen, lots for us to look forward to, a lot of information to uh, look forward to. And thank you, John. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And make sure you're subscribed. Uh, please find a link to my channel, Project Rook, down below, John's socials. Make sure you're subscribed to the Sean Atwood channel with the bells on. Leave us a like. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think about this series. And, of course, from me, Ron Swanson, as always, be safe out there.